Today's podcast is brought to you by Eggshell Light Company. For over 45 years, Eggshell Light Company has been the go-to specialty shop handling the lighting needs for all that grace the shores of beautiful Hawaii. Combining the artistic methods of the theater with the speed and efficiency of the musical touring industry, they have pioneered event lighting throughout the Hawaiian Islands. They specialize in supply of top shelf equipment and designers for broadcast concerts, corporate, and special events. From the smallest weddings to televised concerts and the largest corporate clients, they know this is your most important event. It is their goal to make sure you feel that way. Aloha from Eggshell Light Company. Welcome everyone to another episode of LD at Large Podcast. My name is Chris Lose. I am the designer relations developer at Ayrton Lighting as well as columnist for PLSN Magazine. I hope you're all enjoying reading and listening. I, I hope that uh, this is give you an hour to just kind of pass the time and feel like we're all still part of the same industry where we're all socially isolated, but we're all still mentally together. We're still unified. We're still uh, striving to get everybody back to work as safely and as quickly as possible. I am very excited today because of all the time that I've been doing this podcast, I have done mostly lighting related and I've kind of kind of overshadowed the fact that video is us now. It, it, you can't hide it. You can't deny the fact that video and media and content is fully integrated into the lighting uh, all too often the lighting designer is the content generator, the, the, the idea maker, the, the scenic design has kind of been kind of consumed by lighting. Uh, we're all, we're kind of like different people, but we're all the same. So I thought today would be a really good day to kind of talk about how that integration has been so seamless and how it's so, it happened so gradual that we didn't even realize that it, that we, we are the same people now. So I'm reaching out to a very uh, good friend of mine. His name is Ruben Lane. He is the chief nerd at chief at uh, creative integration studio. Thank you so much for making time to chat with me for an hour today. Well, hello there. Thank good you to for see you. Me. I see, that, uh, I see that you're very safe over on the East coast. There, doing quite well for yourself. I hope doing. you're staying safe, wearing masks, washing hands, all that. I got this type of mask and that other type of mask and nobody can see that on the screen, but I just have to show that I have like four of them, no matter yeah, what. Yeah, I have I have three of them. They're all the same and everybody keeps asking, are you going to wear the same mask? And like, no, 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 I promise. I'm, I'm, I'm washing these. I'm, I'm, I'm doing what I'm told. I promise. Yeah, speaking of which, it's laundry day today. I have, well, <laughs> mask laundry day because there's a laundry day for the masks and there's a laundry day for the clothes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because if you, if you put the mask in the laundry and you bend that wire, then you're you're it's toast. You can't rebend that wire. You can't get it back to fit your nose. And you got to be careful, man. You got to. Hey, I'm, I'm a laundry freak, so we can go. This this is a whole nother whole <laughs> conversation. <laughs> so yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, so like I was saying, my little uh, pre rant there. I remember the first time that I had to program a media server and it didn't feel all that different. It felt like I'm just doing lighting, just there's just more pixels and there's more sources and it, 
it happened so gradually that I didn't even realize that basically lighting and video are one now. And I am so happy to hear you say that. That I'm so happy that you said it first and I didn't have to say because we kind of mentioned this uh, on, on the email, right? Like, hey, one of the points that we wanted to talk about. And I'm so happy that you're the one who brought it up because to this day, there are very respectable lighting programmers out there who I, you know, there's, when, when someone calls you to come to a job and you're like, hey, I'm, I'm booked out and you got to find someone for a replacement. You're like, all right, who, who do I got? And then you go, hey, this guy's an amazing lighting programmer. He does like 12,000 movie lights in uh, uh, every weekend and, you know, this or that. Oh, dude, no, no, no. I don't, I don't do media servers. I don't mess with that. It's like, it, what? <laughs> it's the simplest thing. It's, it's just instead of, uh, instead of uh, gobo wheels, you have folders. Instead of gobos, you have files. Yeah. And uh, Zoom is Zoom and Pan is you know, left, right, and it's moving black is moving black. And if your media server happens to have single layer crossfade, which most, goodness, uh, then, you know, it programs itself. Yeah, crossfade on a single layer is huge. Uh, I remember, wasn't it Mbox was the only one that had it for a while. And then I don't think that's unique to Mbox anymore. No, I think Mbox was first. Uh, I think AI was the second to go out there and like, stick its neck out um they had it since like version six and then um i think Resolume kind of broke the mold then hippo came along with hippo three hippo three was awesome at that and then they broke it in hippo four and then now hippo four has it back but yeah it's uh for those that have been around <laughs> it's been a it's been a fun adventure trying to keep up with uh with single layer crossfades yeah. So let's back up a little bit. How did you first decide that video was the, the, the future of your, of your path? I was working at Everlast Productions back in Miami, Florida. It was my first like production house, non-theatrical. Because I, I come from theatrical lighting, right? Right. Uh, as many of us started. And then I started with them doing all kinds of every single role in production because Everlast is known for teaching, having everybody do everything. And that was great. And then one day we're doing like the NFL commissioner's ball. And uh, either, I can't remember if it was Tampa or Fort Lauderdale. But it was like XLI, DVD or some of that. Uh, and um, we're, I, they, they put me, they gave me like, here, here you go. Here's, you can have it. Have them have the stage uh, and do all the programming for the decor lighting is going to go to someone else, but you handle the stage. And by the way, here's this um, Martin 2140LC product that we just got, a whole screen of it, and a catalyst. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, I read the manual in advance during loading. I did a couple, you know, did what I had to do. And uh, I... I decided to get really comfortable with what I knew already. So like all the lights, everything was working flawlessly. And then it came to video and I was like, all right, <clears throat> fixture one at, at, and it just, you know, super bright. And I was like, Ooh, strobe. Pop, 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 pop. I'm like, that was fun. I want to do more of that. Um, <laughs> 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 and uh, I, I, and that, that, that set off that spark. And then from, from that, I was uh, lucky enough to uh, work a bunch of 
EDM things, which where, where video has been king for a long time. Yeah. Uh, here in Miami. Uh, uh, you know, the next couple of years with lots of video stuff, it is a little by little it started to become less lighting programming and more video programming. And one day I found myself uh, working for Scott Chimileski, who is Mr. Media Server himself, in a way. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, I learned a heck of a lot that also pushed my transition into AI which was up until the, until the BC, so the before Corona times, was my, uh, my last official title with a manufacturer, which was uh, handling the training and development for AI. And um, here we are today. But, I mean, that's, that's the interesting thing that now we're finding, I think, uh, in this Corona times is the whole... I think the reinvention of yourself. It's, yeah. 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 Uh, it, it doesn't matter what I used to think I was before pandemic. It's all, it's all out the door right now. I'm uh, no. yeah. yeah, I was, I was uh, pre pandemic. There was no way I was ever a podcaster. And now, uh, <laughs> now here we are. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Um, yeah. And I, I would say part of the, I think that's like the biggest shift in culture right now. It's the, okay, what are we going to start doing now? And my half my Facebook is follow my new Facebook page. And there's like uh, uh, handcrafting, all kinds of handcrafts and art, artwork, photography. Yeah. Yeah. Luckily coming from a lighting and video background, I would imagine you have the tech savviness in order to pivot should you need to. And I have. And, and actually, that's where the creative integrator, I call myself chief nerd because I'm the one and only person in the company. But, <laughs> uh, but the, the idea of creative integration comes from um, during my time at DMD and a little bit before that, I had, I had a really good uh, chance to take a look at what I like to do, what I, you know, what I enjoy doing. And I, I found myself that I enjoyed running lights and I enjoyed programming lasers and video and creating content and ooh automation. Oh, is that can that be controlled with Arnet, DMX, streaming uh -huh. ACN? Can does it just take a cat five cable and I can do whatever I, you know, is there is there a protocol that controls it? Oh, does that thing make makes Arnet turn into RS two thirty two and then therefore something else? I love that. I love, you give me a box full of like, here's an old NES controller and a power supply to some random electronic that, you know, doesn't exist anymore. And some RCA cables and, and then like, and you know, half of the, half of the space shuttle Atlant, you know, <laughs> Endeavor panel, like here's the control panel from, from the Endeavor and make it all work. And, I said, yes, I love that. And so that's where the term creative integration came from. It's just, uh, I, I, I like designing, I like programming, but I find myself that I can help people find what a bunch of technology put together can do. So can I design? I can, but I like to design the nerdy stuff, the processes of like, hey, by the way, if you send me video, I can turn that video into, you know, how the winches are moving 
in, in this and that. Um, Creative Integration Studio sounds much more professional than blinky light maker controller guy. <laughs> you know? Because honestly, that's what we do. We just like to make blinky lights. And the farther away the blinky lights are when we push the button, the more impressed we are with ourselves. Absolutely. Yes. And 100%. The, the more blinky, as long as they blink when they're supposed to blink and they don't blink when they're not supposed to blink, then, then we've done our job, right? Yeah, that's correct. The, the hard part is getting them to not blink when they're not supposed to blink. That's... Yes. And to, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's exactly it. That's, um, well, no, and then there's the part where somebody sends you a, you know, a piece of content that doesn't have anything to do with the documentation that you sent them three months before. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's, that's the whole, other that, hardest. <laughs> that, is something hardest we de- that is something we definitely need to talk about. <laughs> I have been on so many gigs, and I started off as lighting programmer, and then obviously, inevitably, the media server got put on my console one way or another. And all too often, people come to me, they're like, hey, I got all this content. Okay, have you, have you done a storyboard? Do you know where it goes? And you're like, no, I just... Look, Put all this content up there. It's really cool stuff. Like, what? Like, this is a time-coded show. Like, what's time-code? Like, oh, boy. Oh, are you kidding? Yeah, every time. Every time. And it doesn't matter if it's, if it's uh, uh, a school prom show to uh, prom to the, you know, the millionaire wedding of the year to a show on the biggest festival stage like Coachella. I can tell you from personal experience, doesn't matter. <laughs> um, to 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 um, a, I'm, I'm thinking how much can I tell about this without, right? To a couple billion dollar private installation and a residence in the Big Apple. It it's you know it doesn't it doesn't matter when when you send someone hey yeah you have a super low resolution. Uh, um, LED uh, installation of 800 pixels by 40 pixels, and then they give you like this. Oh, I made this 4K 3D thing. <laughs> yeah, good luck, buddy. <laughs> it's gonna be pixel accurate, right? I'm like, yeah, sure. Yep. Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> yeah, those browns are gonna look great. I'm gonna make sure the browns are perfect. The, the those uh, those purples are gonna be perfect on there. Yep. I spent. $250,000 in the content from this artist in the Middle East. Yeah, buddy. Like, he didn't read the media Bible. I don't know what to tell you about that. Uh, uh, what's in your media Bible that you send out to people when you, when uh, there's actually some sort of forethought put into the media? It's, it's so copy-paste by now. It's <laughs> very simple. It starts with, it's, and, and lucky enough, the, every media server now, nowadays, every single media server on earth will do automatic transcoding to whatever flavor of video they want to have. So at this point, it's just like, just give me content that goes from, you know, in this resolution at this frame rate. I don't care about anything else. The media server will take care of it. But it needs to be, at least it needs to be, you know, by let's say 1920 by 1080 at 30 frames or 25 frames or 2997 whatever you need it to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it has audio, just please follow this particular, what, whatever type of audio you need. If it's stereo 5.1, you know, that, that's when it gets a little pra- technical, but really 
the number one thing that you need on a media bible is um resolution frame rate uh some people like to mention you know square pixels or not uh but that should be by default always uh if it's progressive or interlaced uh audio or no audio and then a very basic naming convention so are you making content for an artist for a musical are you breaking it down into like you know intro loop chorus verse outro break then give me those five pieces of content if you you know uh, i think corporate's perhaps the hardest one to to provide a media bible for yeah to be honest yeah uh, I agree. Yeah. Especially uh, because so many times it's like, oh, yeah, this show has uh, 16 different screens with uh, 84 different uh, screen formats. That's great. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's hard. It's hard to teach someone that's such, such width and breadth of, uh, of, of technical knowledge where they go like, what do all these numbers mean? Okay, if it starts with a one, it goes to that screen. It starts with a two, it goes to that screen. It starts with a three. You know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, in <laughs> Actually, order you know what? I'll send you. I can even put a sample of a uh, a very standard media bible uh, either on my website or I'll send you a Dropbox link. And if you want to link it here, uh, I am all for teaching and training and sharing knowledge. And so perhaps maybe more people understand how a media bible works. That'd and be great. I'll, I'll, let's do that. I'll I'll okay. post a link on on my side and I'll send you a copy of a link and then you know we'll share it. Okay. Um, let's say it does have audio on it. Does that change your entire format? Does that change your, your process? Um, it, uh, it depends. It depends on the complexity of the show. Uh, for liability reasons, uh, which is everyone's favorite word, uh, usually if it's a show that already has time code, I go, it's nice that you want to give me the audio, but audio plays back from Audio Village. And so as long as it's on time code, my video should chase your audio with your right. time code. So if, if, the, if there's a possibility of having audio play it back, then I let it play it back. Um, that used to really be the case back until a couple of years ago. Um, my favorite media server is AI. And okay. I will say that about two years ago or so, they got... They really sorted out. They they put a whole new audio engine in it, and blah 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 blah. Uh, so it made my job of like sorting these kind of problems at the last minute much easier. To the point that like nowadays, um, I have a permanent installation that runs with like seven point one surround audio, that it runs one hundred percent out of AI. Everything. Wow. Uh Historically, media servers have not been the best audio signal uh, generators. That's correct. And, and, and that's why up until a couple of years ago, it was like, you know, all audio should come from Audio Village. But, you know, it's gotten better. Technology, cool. hard, hardware, software, everything. And even, even the very codecs that we use for uh, playback have gotten a lot lighter and more reliable. So it's become easier to not having to not say no, but come up with the other workarounds. It's, it's become a lot easier to like, oh, you just want to play the, the opening sequence to your, you know, arena show, only the uh -huh. opening sequence. Okay, yeah, sure. Well, it's a one-off. Yeah, we'll do it. Yeah, sure. Okay. 
just yeah. yeah. Yeah, I I remember having to explain to somebody that I should not be generating the the audio because the intensity was also the volume, and if you wanted to dim the content, you had to mute the audio, and they didn't they didn't understand that, and it, it took it took time. Yeah. Uh, so. It's, you know, it all depends on. And yeah, at the end of the day, it really all depends on the hardware and the software that you're using. But yeah, so I want to give content generators all due credit because a lot of times they'll go to from one project where which is an inbox which will accept most anything. There's a couple times where we need a a special codec or something like that, and then they'll go to another project that has uh, our chaos or something which mm. accepts basically anything. You can put yeah. anything that even has some resemblance of content in there, and it'll be like, yeah, I got this. I'll figure it out. Yeah, sure. And and then they'll go to somebody who's got D three, and they'll be like, "No, it has to be exactly this, hap, right. this codec, this format." And and this they're like, "Ah, oh, we didn't know." You know what? This is a great point of conversation here. We could between the the guys that can always say, "Oh, wait a minute, but I can do that on Photoshop," or and it's like, actually, no. It's the difference between like Photoshop and Microsoft Paint. We're like, "Oh, I can, no, I can do that on Paint." I can do that on whatever. I can do that on word art. Like, uh -huh. it, it's great. It's great that you can do all those things on paint. But then you get to Photoshop and it's like, well, this Photoshop, it's a you know, $1,000 subscription a year. It should absolutely be able to do this thing. And it can. But in order to do it correctly, it, you need to follow these particular guidelines or procedures. And it's not that it can't, it absolutely can do it. But if you want it, you want to just do it or do you want to do it right? Oh, you want to do it right. Then you got to follow these guidelines. And this is when, here's a media Bible, please follow it. <laughs> yeah. And it's important now because as much as I love lighting, like you mentioned with Coachella, like the, the media and the video wall is the focal point now. Uh, a rock show without content is it, it's not going to make man. the stage of Coachella anymore. I don't know. Do you, I don't know if you, he, I, I'm just going to, you know what you, you asked during the opening monologue thing uh, about, you know, or you mentioned not knowing how this happened. I'll tell you how it happened. Okay. Rob Sinclair, hands down. Good one. He's my favorite designer has been since, I had the joy and pleasure of working with him one time back in 08 as an operator on a Vista with some DL3s. Uh, and, and it was the first time that I actually saw a video on a show that blew my mind. And um, every, I, I, maybe not every single show that he has done, but most of them, the integration of video into the set design and as a, as a scenic or as, as part of the conversation of what's happening on stage, on putting the right emphasis or, or, or setting the scene and balancing the whole lights and video, regardless of the genre, regardless of the artist that's on stage. If you want to take a masterclass on how to merge video and lighting together properly, it just go Google Rob Sinclair and just, just go at it eternally it's that's it i mean uh 
Pet Shop Boys, uh, Human League, which is when I had a chance to work with him, um, Queen with Adam Lambert. Um, it started off really low tech and it just continues to get higher and higher tech because people just love it. They love the, the visual uh, opportunities that you have there. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep, yep. And, and he goes as part of the genius of, of how he just incorporates all of this goes back to even, I think it was like the first Queen with Adam Lambert. I'm trying to remember. It's like, I've seen too many of his shows at this point. Like, uh, but <laughs> uh, Queen with Adam Lambert, it's like uh, the very first one. It was a bunch of like, I think Mark Oras had just come out. And it was pots and pots and pots of these things. And at the beginning of the show, I could have, been, I could have sworn that they were just a bunch of parts because they were static on place. And there was no no real uh, pan tilt movement at all. Uh, very little color changing. It was almost like the colors were preset at the beginning of the song, and then little by little, like the entire continued and evolve and move through the ages into like decades. And now we have pan tilt and seam and gobos and everything. I'm like, oh my goodness, what what's happening here? Um, so uh, yeah, he he's he's my personal hero of design, if you ask me. I went on a ramble there. <laughs> no, that, that's, uh, that's impressive. That, but yes, that is the progression of how video became so prominent. It started off as a little bit. It started like with some televisions here and there on the screen, and then they got bigger and bigger, and then people just wanted, just like you said, like, well, I want to control that. Give me control of that now. I want control. I mean, think of like the first, and, and now I'm going to go and throw it way back to like the first types of stage video controls where Dataton, when they started with like, uh, not even necessarily video per se on quote, you know, quote quotation marks, air, air marks up there, um, but there were uh, presentation slides. Yeah. And so the Dataton allowed you to control multiple slides at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> we've come a long way that was the first minister that's the first gobo wheel literally gobo wheel and gobo you know yeah and as as file and folder you know dmx controlled uh pre presentation slides yeah so <laughs> shortly after that i've actually heard stories of people who were touring with vhs content and they would have to you know have to link the vhs to the lighting to hit play at the exact same time and then once they figure out how to how to let the computer do it, they it got more and more accurate. And that sounds like so much fun. I never had the pleasure. I I am right. old enough to have. I'm owned, not old enough. Yeah. I I was old enough to have owned a huge number of VHS tapes, but yeah. I was, but not use it professionally. Uh, the first time that I had to do any <laughs> basic playback had to do with a DVD player. So I'll I'll start. Uh, but yeah, no, 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 no. VHS. Oh. I, 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 I can't know how frustrating that must be for ballrooms and stuff to just try and update all their gear. Like, look at this. We got the top of the line VHS gear. Like, Oh, that's outdated. As soon as we, uh, yeah. we got the up to up the most up to date laser disc software. Oh, that's gone. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I remember working on a cruise ship and people would come out asking for a, uh, a slide projector. And we we're like, we don't, we don't even have those anymore. No, I'm not going to go and load all your slides upside down. To, you, know, you need a PowerPoint, man. I'm sorry. That's keep up. <laughs> That's funny. 
Speaking of keeping up, do you, are you finding that most most uh, festivals are just massive video walls now? Uh, yeah, sure, and they all are. And I think I think it's just because the biggest touring acts right now are just so used to having such large. And I could be wrong. And I, but I think most of the big acts are have these huge video budgets in their you know, touring writers uh, that when they get to a festival, it's like, oh, well, we need to provide all this video for the festival. So might as well just make the whole festival a giant video screen. Yeah. Meh. You know, it, I, I think that's part of the, part of the why. Yeah. If nothing else, I'll, I've seen a lot of bands are at least clever enough to bring a JPEG of their logo or something with them, knowing that there's going to be a giant video wall yeah, I, some sort of video surface, yeah. It saves them bringing their banner, their, uh, you know, some pipe, some uh, some Schedule 40 with them everywhere they go, and uh, some shivs. They're like, no, nah, I just got everything on my USB stick now. And I'm reminiscing of touring right now. Because <laughs> there's always this, like, four pieces of Schedule 40 pipe that just live on the corner of the of the truck, just in case, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they get pulled out every night and then they have to get pulled back in every night. Man. So, you know, it's, uh, it, yeah, sorry. It, it's just so nice to, to have a one-on-one conversation with, uh, with an industry peer because especially after the news that we all got it via email today with uh, LDI. Yeah, that's a tough one. Uh, let's uh, a little tip one to our homies right there and uh, we'll, we'll, get to that. we'll get back to that. Um, here's a question that I would love to ask you being another media server programmer. When you're out there programming stuff, I feel like everybody and their freaking mom wants to come over and tell you about what their, their opinion on the content. And I get that a little bit when I'm doing lighting, but not nearly as much when I'm doing content. Everybody wants to come over and like, well, what is that? Can you, can you change that? Can you alter that? Can you make that purple? You're like, ah, yes, I can do all those things. It, it's going to take me time. And then they, they kind of get lost as to the difference between manipulation and generating new content. They're like, oh, I see you've got chickens running. Can you make it horses running? You're like, what? Yes. Um, I love uh, that you went there. I love that. Absolutely love that you went there. Because then it opens the, the new, opens that new topic of the two greatest things that have, I think, Perhaps if they haven't already revolutionized our production industry, they're going to, or they're working their way towards doing it. Um, the first one to me was Unreal. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Notch, and now Unreal. Yeah. But, um, but I'm going to start with the Notch thing because for those of you who are working with video and or are, are interested in working with video and haven't started playing with Notch yet, sorry, you need to stop what you're doing because everyone's already doing it. Just jump on the notch bandwagon at least for five minutes and learn what that's about. Yeah. I'm not telling you to go and do it for the rest of your life, but you should at least be informed. Same thing goes for Unreal. But the difference with notch is this, which is why part of the reason, it's actually one of the things that I started working on at the beginning of the pandemic. It's finally putting together a bit of like a content pack, but it's a notch based content pack where, um, you know, for years you buy a piece of content Right, let's say confetti. 
oh man, I got this awesome confetti. It comes in white. I can color it on the media server to whatever color I want. And it's great. That's nice. That's nice, buddy. But what if um, tomorrow the client comes and says like, I love that confetti, but instead of square pieces, can they be round? And can half of them be red and the other half be blue? And can you make them fall down like faster? No, actually no, slower and more confetti of it. And then at that point, you go like, oh, I just put one layer and another layer. And uh, but wait a minute, how do I make a circle, a square, and a round, or a triangle? Notch is how. Notch allows you to create content that can be manipulated live via DMX. Um, in any, it, it just, it, it's, it's just magic. It's magic. Especially if you are a somewhat knowledgeable DMX programmer, like lighting, lighting programmer, who are used to changing things on the fly, if you find a notch artist to work with you and create content in a way that allows you to manipulate it in any way, shape, or form that you can, that you can think of, you'll be the happiest person till the day that you die. Just because um, that's kind of the thing that notch allows you to do. Yeah, let's, uh, let's back up just a little bit for anybody who isn't fully aware of what notch is. What's the difference between content that's been generated in like cinema 4d or something and content that's been generated in notch right so uh anything that's already been rendered it's it's usually set to like you know it's it's hey somebody gave me a media bible for a show or maybe i made a content that's like it's all 16 by 9 you know an hd format and a particular resolution and it's set to that and it plays it's meant to play at say 30 frames per second so let's say a regular playback speed um, and it looks great that way. And that's awesome because that means that anytime that you have to play that content for the purpose that it was originally created, it's always going to play perfectly fine. Now, you show up to another festival and it's like, oh, by the way, this, this screen is an 8K widescreen or something like that. Now, you grab that one piece of content and you stretch it and it looks, you know, it's going to look soft at the edges. Yeah, blurred or, or out of aspect. You know, it could do any kinds of issues. Yeah. Um, now, not only that, maybe it's a what, taller screen. So, like, that rate of falling of that rate for that confetti, it's going to look slower or faster depending on the size of that screen. And, and, and that's going to look worse. So, what this notch allows you to do is that you kind of create the content. And then at the moment of playing it back, it doesn't play back as content per se, but everything is generated live as it's happening so when you say hey by the way my screen today is on a square is a giant rectangle it can adapt to fill all that extra area of space and you can say you can have like dmx control over like the rate at which that confetti is falling um if you want to change the color the size of each little piece of confetti as it's falling down you have all this additional control which normally would require to just go back to your artist and say like, hey, by the way, tomorrow we're having a stop at a, at a festival last minute where we need to have a super wide piece of content identical to the one that you already made, but you know, right. could not. And the other main difference is that Notch actually allows you to manipulate live video. As well, which, correct. Which is very exciting. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, things as simple as just a color shift to do to make them more, make color tones better. Um, you can actually use things that uh, you can put makeup on your artist live and you know, soften tones. 
little things like that as far as like doing tracers and turn their live content into lava lamps and blurry messes that all correspond with the music and you can even take uh, music reactivity and apply it to your notches which is very very cool which which to be fair there um most media servers i'll say like the or at least the, the the big the big three or four they had a way of doing that through which you had control over like dmx channels or you know color modes blend modes effects that allowed you to do some of those effects but not at the level not at the depth that notch gives you notch is literally like oh you want you know a particular like say like a like a, a neon banner right with like the, the artist's name and you wanted to track on camera where that face is so that the the name is always around their face kind of like a like an instagram filter uh-huh you got it it you yeah. absolutely can do that and it's and it, you're doing it live people are like dude did you guys rehearse this no 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 this is all happening live this is just this is why this costs what it costs yeah uh, which is amazing until somebody asks you for the content from a show. You're like, no, there is no content to give you. It's we're generating this live. I can't, can't give you this content anymore. Yeah. That, that opens a whole nother can of worms. That's a whole really interesting conversation to be had that it's still being had. I think about ownership of content and, uh, Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, Actually, are you are you familiar with uh, Laura Frank's? Uh, well, Laura Frank and company, the framework community. I am. I, I don't know everything about it. I've I've seen the the website and I've kind of perused it, but I don't know all about it yet. Um, they had their first session, I think, about a month and a half ago. If framework serves me right, uh, and it was kind of like uh, a mini TED Talky LDI power uh, sessions on specific topics uh, and uh, on different parts of it's may it's I want to say that it's kind of maybe more focused towards the video industry video side of things than lighting but I think that you know if you're part of the production community you should at least peruse and you know pop your head in okay see uh, but uh, but this was actually one of the points of conversation that came up during those talks is uh the especially now with all this generative live content where you know a, a lot of the way that notch blocks work which is basically notch pieces of content um they are basically programs you are you're creating bits of software that track a face and put a name underneath or whatever you want to do it to do um so when it comes to okay it's the end of the tour who who gets to keep those pieces of content that you know did you pay for creating that content or just to play them back? Do you, are you going to hire the same operator next time? Because that operator owns those notch blocks that thing, unless you want to buy them from him. Right. Uh, at which point like, Oh, by the way, it's not only just owning the blocks, but you also have to have the machine with a license to run them. So it's, it's a really interesting conversation. Um, the way that I've been kind of getting around with it lately is, uh, we, we just gave them the offer like, Hey, do you, do you, here's, here's what it costs to run this show 
at any given time in the future, it's going to cost this much in equipment and, you know, the operation, what it takes for me to go and, and run the show. Or I can render the content based on our last performance, and then I'll trade that, I'll, I'll turn that into you without the reactivity, but you have like the, the vibe, the look and feel of it as a render copy and say like 4K, so it lasts you a little bit of time. But, and then you just pay for the minute or piece of content in a, in a traditional, more traditional style of content delivery method, if you will. Okay, let's do a hypothetical then. Mm -hmm. Let's say that you are in rehearsals for two weeks and you have generated the most amazing confetti that anybody has ever seen. It's, it's got a mixture of skulls and squares and circles and all that stuff. And it's, it is part of the finale. As soon as the, as soon as the show goes, the video content, the, the notch confetti flies and everybody's like, Oh my God, that is the most amazing confetti I've ever seen. Another artist comes to see that show and says, Hey, whoever generated that, that confetti needs to come work for me. And they say, Ruben, come on over here, buddy. Let's do it. Can you give me that same confetti? Now, technically your previous artist paid for your time and your efforts to generate that confetti, but it's your programming. And yeah. that confetti, that notch block comes with you wherever you go because it's yours. Right. Can the next artist have that confetti? Can they have the same confetti? Okay, I see. I see. I see your uh, pair of jacks, and I'll race you a queen <laughs> or something. Um, sorry, I'm not the best card player, but uh, <laughs> I see your bet on a race. Um, okay, uh, you that first of all, that makes perfect sense. But at the end of the day, it's we're talking about programming. There is first to me, and again, this is a very personal point of view. There is no difference between the time that I've spent developing that particular bit of programming to make that awesome confetti with skulls and lightning or whatever it may be, and uh, as a and this is going to be the best example ever. MA two programmers that you go from festival to festival. And absolutely single, every single one of them has is using a, a version very similar between one or the other of the same festival file with the same macros that switch colors that, you know, every four, one in three, one in four for like the chases. Uh -huh. Chances are that you created your file 10 years ago when MATube started coming out and you have this awesome collection of effects, chases, uh, you name it. Yeah. color combinations with this macro window that changes all this stuff and chances are that when you get hired for your next you know next artist next project next anything you bring your before you even start programming anything first thing you did you loaded that ma2 file yep. and that's the very basic skull like that's the bones and the blood of your show file as you move forward oh i'm gonna use that effect and i'm just gonna now i'm gonna grab that effect and instead of this uh, red, I'm going to make this new combination because like this, these lights today I have have red, amber, and like UV. And if I mix the three, I get this like really funky color that looks red, but it makes, you know, some of the white stuff kind of pop. Ah, oh, I love okay. that. Boop. And now you've recycled a piece of programming that it started 10 years ago. Right. And yet you're still profiting from it today. 
Yes. There is technically no real difference programming wise, if you ask me, between programming a notch block that I can, oh, I'm going to take this calls, I'm going to take this calls out, I'm going to put, you know, this band's, I'm, let's say that I'm programming this for Jim Rude, I'm going to put your apps today. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put your apps and, uh, and koala bears, because he's having a show in, in, in Australia. You know? Uh -huh. I, I think that there's no real difference there between those two. You just took something old and made it new and it still has the same impact. Mm -hmm. Sure. Because the confetti might be the same, but it's, you know what? There's no difference between doing that and hiring um, your favorite effects company because you went to the Parmer show, to name one, and uh -huh. you saw the, oh, dude, they have this butterfly confetti. I love the butterfly confetti, except for, you know, uh, this band's logo may be a Robin. Oh, yeah. dude, same company that has the same effect. I want that effect, but instead of butterflies, I want Robins. Yeah. Technically, is there a difference between the two methodologies? Not really. You just have two different products, but the approach I had you got that same gig is the same. You're, you know, that's how you got the gig. Why wouldn't you use that same? I mean, sure, don't rip it off completely. Change a thing here or there. Yeah. You know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if the first band could come to you and say, hey, we have butterfly confetti. You can't have butterfly confetti. You're like, well, yes, I fucking can because that's a product that I bought. So I mean, it depends. Did I make a custom die cut confetti for you and now I'm using the same die for another band? Did I charge you? Actually, because I understand how that works because I worked in Kinko's for a long time. Um, this is, again, part of the integrator background. Um, I understand how printing presses and cutting custom paper products works. If I charge you, let's say, $15,000 for an exclusive cut butterfly die, right? To be able uh -huh. to just grab any pile of paper and cut it to that particular shape logo. And then I turn around and I use that same die to for another client well that's now wrong because now i'm charging you know if i if i charge that other band the same fifteen thousand dollars and that's wrong but if the same method but a different end product yeah that's i think i think those are two different things like, kind of two different i don't know yeah it's a tough one i, I don't know tough one. of a ford escort though like somebody had to pay for that first die but then we all got to every subsequent Ford Escort was cheaper and cheaper afterwards. So uh, you know I like what? to think that we split, we spread out the cost of that over everybody. Maybe that's the difference there. Well, think about it this way. What about like we're cold play with the light up bracelets? Okay. They were the first ones. I think if I, or even, even more so, what about uh, Genesis and battery light? Yeah. There was, there was a share. So are you telling me that no other artists can hire Fairy lights now, because, <laughs> which by the way, have you seen? No, never mind. I'm just gonna go on into another whole other yeah. ramble. But, but I, 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 I don't know. It's, it's, I, it depends on a how that contract, how you were hired, how things are written in paper. But at the yeah. end of the day, I think the most important thing is like, hey, because this actually, as a video person, you see this all the time. You get one artist. And by artist, I mean a, a graphic artist to develop a piece of content. Chances are they use a stock of, say, crashing waves on a shoreline. Right. And then two months later, you run into the same 
provider turning in the same waves, but oh, today we put a mirror on it. There's a mirror yeah. effect instead of a kaleidoscope. We also yeah. turn that content more red and less blue. Hmm. Yeah. That, uh, you're just the one playing back the video in this, in this, at this particular scenario, but isn't it like, kind of like the same, like I paid for this particular piece of stock content or I create, maybe I shot those crashing waves. You know, right. isn't it kind of like the same, like I created this piece of content and now I'm going to change something about it to make it kind of different. But like the inspiration or the source material of that piece of content is also the same. Same thing goes for an flock. Same thing goes for lighting programmer. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I think that's part of my services as a media server programmer is that I come with a certain amount of pretty cool content with me. I've got lots of looping content but for lack of, you know, I don't give it out for free. I mean, I'm never going to, I don't sell it independently, but I do generate my own cool loops and stuff. And I bring that with me and I, I give that willingly as long as my rate is being paid. And if something comes up, it's like, hey, we've got a, another show coming up and they don't have any content. Well, I'll, I'll throw up a, a swirly thing that matches yeah. and I'll, I'll match the lights to the color of the content and, I think that's part of my services. It's like, I don't know if it's an upgrade or a... I mean, I mean, I've gotten, I've gotten gigs. Let's say that, you know, I've done some corporate events where I went and I saved the day at the end of the day. Like, Hey, uh, oh my goodness. The, you know, the, we have a special guest today that needs a particular, a swirly background and you put up a swirly background and they yeah. go, Oh my God, you're amazing. Where did yeah. this come from? And then three months later, Hey, dude, um, this company that you were, the, the end client or whomever related to this particular client uh, requested you because you, you know, saved the day at the last day. Yeah. So I've even gotten ones where, like, they didn't even hire me to program the show. They just said, like, oh, um, who, who provided this swirly content, let's say, or that cloud background content for behind the PowerPoint slides? Oh, that was Ruben. Can we hire him to do content? It's like, I'm going to say no. <laughs> Yeah, I think we have to give a certain amount of that out for free without flooding the market with free content. I, that's not our end goal here is to give out free content. Our goal is to promote ourselves and say, but look, not, no, we're... It's not free, though. It's, it's no, not you're different. Right. It's not different than the stagehand who buys a ratcheting, you know, tool. You, that's a great you, analogy. I bought, I bought some content. Those are tools that go, you know, I fly everywhere with, you know, my little case full of USB drives and thumb, yeah. you know, all the things. Just like the MA programmer has a show file that he carries with him in 16 yeah. different USB drives, just in case one of them gets lost, you know. Uh, I, I think that just like the rigor has his hardness, just like I think every single person in this industry has a tool that they bought or they developed, some yep. developed their own tools, just like Nerdflux, um, for their career, their path, their, their yeah. trade. And when you hire that person, you hire them on those tools, which is why I personally take offense when I tell someone, this is my rate. <laughs> Let me know where we are and we can talk about it. Like, uh, you know, you know, there's a minimum that I won't get out of bed for. But mm -hmm. for the most part, like this is my rate and I would like to get paid this much. You're not just paying for the one guy that's going to sit behind the console for 10, you know, or, or the media server or whatever for 10 hours a day. I come with a certain set of tools. And, and you're not just paying, like, if you want to, 
actually no i don't feel even comfortable saying that the whole oh well i just want you to come here and like push those buttons and make the lights go blink blink well what happens when you need something more can yeah. i can i can i do i just say like oh no you didn't hire me to like help you out with content today can i pull that <laughs> dick move because that's a dick move oh you know i would have pulled my stock content but you shorted me 50 bucks a day <laughs> come on <laughs> That would be a dick move. Like, well, I do have this hard drive full of content right now, and all you need is a uh, some bubbles and some fire. Seventy five dollars yeah. for the bubbles and eighty for the fire. Uh, I have I have the best. You know what? Have you have you had a chance to have Patrick Dearson on this yet? Actually, I don't know. No, I uh, I only haven't reached out to him because he he he's been very busy lately. Uh, he's always so busy but i have the best the best story and it has to do with patrick dearson and you can if you have him over ever ask him about providing rain content in hawaii at the last minute okay uh, or, or you know what if anyone who's listening ever runs into patrick dearson at a bar and he's probably gonna (laughs) hate me now or or wherever and you happen to be in really good speaking terms, like asking about like, hey man, I heard that you can make some awesome content, something about some rain, rain last minute rain content in Hawaii. And, uh, and you know, I let him tell the story because it's really his to tell. I just happened to be around when it happened. Which is great. Okay. <laughs> that is great. I, I, I hope that uh, Patrick Dearson's emails are going to be flooded with people asking about <laughs> rain right now. <laughs> But yeah, I would imagine just like a stagehand has to have a crescent wrench and a Leatherman and blacks, guys like you and I, we have to come with bubbles. We have to come with fire. We have to come with a burning candle. We have to come with clouds, a beach scene, uh, maybe a 4th of July, maybe some fireworks. You know, and I have all mine broken up into colors. So I've got my red folder. I got my pink folder. I got my blue folder. Because I find like that's, and then it goes from slow to fast. So if I go into my file, I can get just a solid blue and that and I'm like, okay, I'm clearly in my blue folder. And then it goes down from there, it goes blue, slow swirl, blue, faster 3D shapes and stuff like that. And then uh, those are, and it's taken me a long time to, to cultivate my, my files and my folders. And I'm, I'm quick and people yeah. appreciate it. They're like, wow, how did you get that up so quick? Like, well, it, it's taken a long time, and I feel like that's why guys like you and I are able to charge the rates that we are because, you know, there are a lot of people that are just like, no, I don't do media servers. And then for you to be able to do a media server quickly, you're yeah. like, oh, my God, that's, well, I'm going to have yeah. to hire that guy again. And, and, and for those who are perhaps looking to move through the ranks, and, and we're not advocating that you go out there and then go and spend an arm and a leg on a bunch of content because I've seen guys do this, especially the ones that are trying to get into like the festival. Like they go and they go into say like the restrooms and they'll spend, you know, a month's rate in, in content and then never get a gig from it. Yeah. It's like, Hey, you get this content, you get this very generic stock content when you need it and you use it and recycle it as you can. You don't, Again, the, the, there's no purpose on buying stuff that has no particular use right now. Uh, it part part of I would say part of the game of learning to sway with the industry, with the swings that the industry 
has provided over the past, I'll say my past 20 years, but I'm looking at perhaps the next two to five as the entire industry reinvents itself especially with the financial situations that are going to come with that. And this is not just me throwing a little bit of side business advice is learn to maximize the bank for every book and find the tools and find the content or the console or the training that it's going to give you the most versatility for your book. I think Mm -hmm. I will share a story personally, which is like, Back in September, I found myself surrounded by requests of, hey, man, I'm looking for a previous studio in Miami for, you know, in November, December, in January, in February, in March, March, especially, because in Miami, we have uh, Ultra, we have the beginning of the touring season for most Latin artists who most of them rehearse in Miami. Uh, We have winter music conference and I found myself with an opportunity to set up a previous studio in Miami and basically have rentals for the next year almost and everything was going so well I rented the literally what I ended up doing I rented the apartment next door to mine (laughs) as an office and I set it up decked it out with screens and projection with everything to be readily available and I was it was busy man I had all kinds of people um, and then suddenly two weeks before ultra, Hey man, we have to cancel. Hey, we have to cancel. Have to cancel. This thing's happening. And then, and then the full advice on like, here's what's happening with Corona and everything else. I have now a lease for the next year still up and running. That is, you know, luckily I have other kinds of video work. And now with the evolution of video, video provider into unreal 3d set, I'm like, take down those screens, put down a green screen, put up some lighting. Now I have a virtual production studio in my living room of, of, the, of the office. Great. I can recycle that space into something else. But I kind of foresaw some of that coming, and I maximize, I'm able to maximize that bang for buck in, that, in, in this case. But I think if, if that, that's perhaps like the biggest advice right now. So, when you are you about to buy a lighting console or a media server or take a training class, do your research into that product versus the competing next competing four products, and then make the decision as to which one's going to give you the most versatility and the most flexibility in over the next few years. I don't know. That's completely off topic. No, that's uh, that's very much on topic. It's the people that who are going to be able to pivot and switch and adapt that are gonna gonna make it through the best. I want everybody to make it through, and I want our industry to get back together. But uh, yeah, the, the people that are gonna pivot and switch, and they're they're gonna be the ones that are gonna be ready when things get back to whatever semblance of normalcy we we all uh, uh, agree upon after this. Yeah. Yeah. Going back to the LDI thing, it's my wife was actually annoyed at me. She's like, did you guys really think you were going to have your little lighting convention, you know, <laughs> in October? Uh, and then, and then I, will, I will answer to everyone what my answer was to her, which was, I think that as a lighting, as a community of people who put events together, who consider traditionally in in the worst case in the best case scenario we're usually the smartest people in the room one way or another 
when, when for six months, I want to say, and I know for a fact that the folks that were behind LDI and, and all these other trade shows have been like banging their heads together going, how can we make this work? Maybe we can set the precedent of how next year, 2021, or, or maybe, you know, perhaps kickstart any other trade show. If us who work on this touring industry, we logistics and all these things, if us, if we can't put together a plan to make this right to the point that we have to call it quits, it scares me to think about what the rest of the industry is going to be like. Cause like, again, if we can't pull it off and we do this for a living, yeah, that that's what, that's really what broke me about the LDI announcement today. It's like, Oh no. When the smart guys in the room say, I think it's, we have to hang the towel. I don't think this is going to work out. That's, undid me yeah that's tough i don't even understand what a digital ldi is going to look like but i'm i'm optimistic for sure i'm happy to help your brand find out just go to creative integration studio (laughs) (laughs) well done (laughs) well done (laughs) Uh, sorry i had to like you know is that plug okay yeah so we are almost out of time, but uh, the one question I really wanted to get to is when you are out at front of house and you're programming content and everybody wants to put their spoon in the soup, who is your ultimate client? Is it the person signing the paycheck? Is it the artist? Is it the social media person who is, wants to know what the, all the images are going to look like? Who has the final say on what ends up on the wall when you're out there in front of house? That is a really good question. I think very much like a lighting programmer, it's going to come down to, what does it come down to? <laughs> Why are we here? Where are we going? It's a big, really big, great question. That is a big um, question. <laughs> um, I think, I, I mean, I don't know. It has to do with your contract. It has to do with who hired you. It has to do with your set of responsibilities. Um, there's, always, there's always the philosophy of, you know, I don't want to put this piece of content up because it looks like garbage. Or yeah. I don't, you know, I think this piece of content is doing a disservice to the artists on stage. Uh, there, there's that, there is, there's the, there are the people that say like, I want my LED screens as, to 100 brightness. Oh. And then, and then, and then they say, well, we're shooting this on TV. And then I say like, we need the screens at 5%. Yeah. Uh, I'm the guy that I, you know, I don't care how many amazing people are out there calibrating screens and all that. I pull out my phone from front of house. And I just turn on like Instagram or like my camera app and I go like, no, still white square, white square, white square. Keep, keep bringing down the processor. Keep bringing down the brightness. Oh, I can now see the content on my phone. Does it look bright enough? Can I strobe it? Does it look good with lighting? Lighting, are you okay? Is that too dim? Oh, a little more. Great. Yeah. And there's guys that are the opposite. They do want it as bright as possible. They don't care about the people taking photos. I'm uh, in between like, if, if a basic camera for, I mean, at the end of the day, the audience are the ones that are come are here to take the show. And this is another huge point of conversation, but like the audience paid for the show. And when they go home, unless the fine, unless the artist, let's say, um, 
you know, Foo Fighters or whomever it may be, they say, you know, please do not take photos on our show. Fine, whatever. You know, when, when, when the guests come in, they, they take a photo and they walk away with uh, some white ghosts on, on a somewhat looking stage surrounded by an audience. That's all they get to take away. It's kind of sad. I don't know. I don't. Yeah, I agree. Just, I'm all for lighting the talent. As long as the talent's lit and you can take a decent photo, I think, I think that's okay. One of the first LDs that I ever worked with said there's, there's two things. There's the one thing, the one rule is after light the talent is smoke and mirrors. You know, yeah. it's all about the photo. It doesn't matter how, um, how garbage the event may go through. If you have some badass show photos of that corporate event, that's what they're going to remember. Yeah. Help them yeah. remember something nice. That's, that will be, that will be my final thing. You know what? It doesn't matter. And, and this goes a lot also for the up and coming LDs and videos and everything else. You know, sometimes you go and you have a bad show and you're out of sync and things are learn to put that behind you and move to the next cue and to the next song and to the end of the show and make sure that the rest of the show goes well and just again, move past it and then go back to your bunk and cry yourself to sleep, whatever helps you. I don't care. But just always, you, you made a mistake, move past it. Don't dwell on it. Keep going. You know, you, you signed a, a crazy lease for an apartment that you didn't think that you, you know, it's going to put you into debt. It's all right. Move past it, recycle it, find something else to do with it. That's, that's, that's the advice. Just keep, keep going. Monetize on those mistakes. That is some great advice from the chief nerd. Thank you so much, Ruben. I appreciate it. This has been great. I will have to thank Jim for, uh, for suggesting that we, uh, we take the time to do this. And let's do it again some other time. Perhaps yeah. live. We have, we have way more to talk about. I'm positive. Absolutely. Always. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you, brother. <laughs>